All right, how are you getting on? You well? You well? You well? And she will, and she will be loved. How's things? Um, how have you been keeping? How have you been getting on? How's your little, how's your little doggy doing? How's your little doggy doing? Tell me, does he still eat anything if you throw it over the wall? Like little treats or anything? No, no reason, no reason. He's very energetic, isn't he? He, like, he loves barking at night, doesn't he? And tell me, does he eat, does he eat anything you throw over the wall? Uh, like if I was just give him a treat, would he eat it? <laughs> I'm not going to kill your dog. I'm not going to kill your dog, mate. Mine, I'm not going to kill your dog, okay? But uh, I've realised, <clears throat> I've realised, someone called me on this. My mate Joanna called me on this. She's like, Tony, yeah. Everyone was fawning over this little doggy, right? And I love dogs. I always wanted a dog. A dog. <laughs> I always wanted a dog. And I pleaded with my mom for years to get me a dog. And then she gave me the dog. And I was so overcome with emotion that I thought it was bad. I thought something bad had happened. I couldn't. I couldn't compute. It was almost like I was a boy. You know, when you see it. Um, Mommy, why do you cry? No, I'm just happy, baby. I'm just happy, baby. You know, why are you crying? <laughs> I was like that with the dog, but I couldn't compute on the emotions. There was too much. If there was, if there was a, a, a a GPU in my brain, uh, it would have been going. <laughs> couldn't handle all this all this uh, emotion, right? If there was a GPU in my heart, it would have been going. <laughs> trying to play like fucking God of War on ultra settings, right? <laughs> on a little shitty laptop. That's what was happening, right? Or flight simulator probably be a better example. Doesn't matter. And um, I so I I always wanted the dog. I've realised though. So don't worry. The the story has a positive ending. I realise I don't not. I not that I dislike dogs, but I don't have the same reaction to a dog as other people have to a dog. You know, I have the say a similar thing with other. You know, I've a similar thing. Like I thought. You know. I thought I loved conspiracy theories. My wife actually likes conspiracy theories far more than me, you know? Just to sometimes when you're growing up, you do you have little inside out emotions in your body, right? Like in the Pixar movie. And uh and it makes you kind of think that you kind of just choose things that you want to be your pillars, your absolute fucking pillars of who you are as a personality. And one of the pillars that I chose was that I love dogs, right? And I realize that's you know, when you see what it is for someone to really, really love a dog. Right, I'm not one of them. I like giving a dog a wee little clap, as the Scottish say. I like to give a dog a little wee little clap. That means that just means a little pet. And um, if there's a dog in the in the school <laughs> and there's a playground, I watch me lose my shit like any other human, any other uh, warm blooded human seeing a dog in the school. Ah, ah! It just makes you realize that. Hang on, everything is built on a house of lies. I have to do this. I have to wear the uniform. I have to put my hand behind my back and put my finger over my mouth when I walk around the halls. We have to do that. So we would be quiet and we have to go, shh. Then you see a dog in the school and you're like, everything is out the window. You know, you start grabbing girls, kissing them like it's a V-Day and you're a sailor. You know, it's like, ah, oh, fucking, you know. <laughs> you know, that was so not cool, by the way. Photo of assault is what that is, right? Anyway, uh, I've realized just recently, though, that I don't. Love seeing a dog in a yard. Love seeing a dog. Um, like like seeing dogs in cafes. As long as they're not assholes. But this is the thing, right? Sorry, I'm all over the place here. The thing I'm the thing I'm I'm pointing out here is I think a lot of dog owners are complete assholes, and their dogs are assholes, and no one's taking responsibility. The dog shouldn't be having taken any responsibility for being an asshole. It's just a little doggy. 
And I feel bad for the whole cyclical nature of assholeness that's happened in the breeding of dogs, you know? And there's like a, there's a dog that you saw someone else have. I mean, come on, like if you, like, if you, would you sit down and draw a pug as your favorite dog? As like, if you didn't know what a pug looked like, you're not drawing a pug, Right? You're not drawing a picture of a pug. What do you want in your heart of hearts, right? Look into these tea leaves. Look into this crystal ball. What do you see? Say you've never seen a dog before. Are you drawing a fucking pug? Are you really drawing a pug? So what's the the deal with you having the pug? I'm not having a go you having the pug, right? I feel like I'm offending, uh, whatever. I got to speak my truth here, right? You're not picking a pug, as your number one thing that you like. The reason, like everything. Look, I admit it as well. Why do I have long hair? Because Jason Momoa has long hair. Kind of, right? Why do I have glasses? Uh, probably Bono. I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that one, right? Why do I wear Oxford shirts? Because I like the aesthetic of the kind of Japanese Scandi vibes that they have in the Sc- Spike Jones movie, Her, right? Why do I have a beard? My dad had a beard and I thought it was handsome on him, right? I saw it somewhere else and so I wanted it. Right? So, same with a pug. You didn't pull a pug out of fucking thin air and think, I want that. All right? A wolf, you can look at and think is a beautiful thing. A horse, you're looking at that thinking that. In isolation, I know nothing about anything. Look at that horse. It's a hot object. <laughs> right? Okay, so new rule, guys. No. Uh, so, I'm just saying that the whole cyclical nature of dogs and having dogs, and people wanting dogs, is they saw someone else have a dog, and they thought, oh, I want the dog. And then they went to a puppy farm, and the dog shouldn't have been born, because they didn't. It, it, there was no one there for the puppy. There was no one there for the puppy. And the pug mammy churned it out. And you took the puppy, and you had it for Christmas. And then by February, you didn't want the puppy anymore. And then the puppy goes to a pound. The puppy becomes an asshole. Because what, it's hard not to be an asshole. It's so hard not to be an asshole if you don't have someone telling you on a regular basis to stop being an asshole. It's the only reason I'm not an asshole. But then sometimes I kind of go off and I've kind of become an asshole for a while. And I need other people to stop telling me to, to tell me to stop being an asshole. Right? So that's what dogs have. A good dog is just someone reminding them. And you think it's kind of like, that's crazy. Why isn't the dog that's loved the most not an asshole? Why is it the dog that someone goes, hey, hey. You know, why does that make you not an asshole? Someone going, hey, get off the fucking couch. Hey, get up there, fucking. Why does that make you not an asshole? Just does, right? So then you have people who just saw something on Instagram and they want to have the dog as well. And then, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not having a go at your little sweet. Oh my, no, you're the sweet little thing. Your dog's not an asshole. You're, oh my God, you little But I just, I always knew we were going to have a kid, right? And this is not, look, it's not the fucking, I know. I knew you. I know you knew this was where it was going, right? But I knew I have never wanted responsibility in my life. I remember sitting down with my dad, and I was like fourteen, and I'm like, I'm still a boy, and I want to be a boy forever. Bring me to get my comics on Saturday. I love you. <laughs> I just throw that in there because it reminded me of what a nice memory it was. He's bring me to get comics on Saturday, right? I love you, Dad. Right? Thank you. I'm still a boy though, right? I want microchips. I want big owls. I want a drink from a little plastic cup. I want to get a games console for my birthday. Ever? Why would I ever want Atten outside of what I have? This is amazing. Don't be getting me down with the talks of the junior shirt coming up, right? You're just getting me down, bro, 
right? I'm a boy. I want to be a boy forever. And so then gradually you add more responsibilities. I, I never really committed to the whole job responsibility thing. That's why I've, you know, been fired from so many. You know, it all just seemed like a bit of a lark, right? So the kid is kind of the first proper responsibility. Rent was another one. Um, you know, paying rent. Even though when that happened for the first time, as I've told you before, um, I remember saying to my flatmate Claire, being like, hey, I don't actually have rent this month. Uh-huh. Um, so can you just tell our landlord I'll pay double <laughs> next month? Where am I getting double from? I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But hey, I just want ah. Life's not real. So <laughs> I don't know why you all have wasn't getting a fucking downer. Life's not real. I've never had a responsibility before. Um, you know, so that was probably the first actually um i didn't really fully i didn't yeah i didn't really fully commit to it but that was certainly a responsibility um so then the kid came along so look i don't know look i don't even know what my point is maybe you like the responsibility maybe you want to have your life affected by a dog but i think a lot of people don't i think a lot of people want to have exactly the life they have now with the only enhancement of there's a cuddly thing sometimes exactly where you want it but not all the time you know um like, why would you ever want uh, something at home all the time? You know, not being around. Um, so, I, yeah, if you're not around, you know what I mean? Well, I actually just want it there most of the time. I actually kind of want to lock something up for about 80% of their life. Um, so, I hope we don't. I know it has to be brand And it has to be brand new, the one that I want. It has to, I have to, well, I'm locking it up in my flat, my tiny flat in Dublin. Um, and it has to be there. It's... Um, it has to be brand new as well. It has to know only that since it was a baby, right? Why well, I just that doesn't you know that doesn't compute with me. But mainly because I just wouldn't want to you know. Oh, I tell you, I, I am envious of some people's free gaffes. You know, some people who have the time. Peter McGann, let me tell you about this guy. He he's got a free gaff. He watches like four or five fucking Blu-rays. He watches four or five Blu-rays oldies. And he and he thinks about the films and he writes beautiful reviews on his letterbox about movies. Right, that's what you do with your fucking free time. Trying to trying to get a dog to line up for a photo, you know, when that's the only time you really looked at it that day is not a time I want to spend. Not a time I want to spend. I like. I just so I like. I don't. I like dogs. I just think I just would prefer they were given a fair shot at things. You know, um, because there's more dogs being made, and maybe there shouldn't. You know, so um. So that's <laughs> so that's why I'm I do, I like dogs. That's why I don't like dogs. I don't know if I have the same kind of reaction. I feel like my kind of cutometer. Um, I don't know. I don't really just. I don't really find stuff. You show me. Um, you show me a video of like a, a little raccoon baby. I'll be like, huh? You know. I don't. I don't. You know. You show me a cooked raccoon. I might have a better reaction. I know I don't think we should be eating raccoons, but if it was like, I was like I'd probably have it more. You know, if if you were to hook up my my heart to a you know, <laughs> I don't know some sort of sensation test, then I think if I saw like a cooked raccoon and it looked good and had a glaze on it, even mouth water now even thinking about it, right? Then I might have a better reaction than seeing a baby raccoon, right? And that's not to say that I want to eat everything. But you know what I mean? Some people just can look at that and be like, oh, oh. you know, I feel none of that. I feel nothing. Uh, and I'm tired. And I'm tired of pretending like I do. Right. What's that Joker quote? And I'm tired of pretending it's not. Um, 
I don't actually like to feel a lot, really. <laughs> I don't. I don't really laugh at home. We watch RuPaul and Terry's doing backflips and she's like, <gasps> face crack of the season, right? And I'm like, hmm. And then afterwards, she's like, did you like that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I did. Maybe this is a new thing. I remember, my, <laughs> I remember. I think it was just a very brief period from mom uh, where she was just kind of like, just feeling a bit lethargic, just feeling a bit like uh, going through the motions. People have those kind of times. And I was telling her, um, she was telling me about her holiday shed coming up. And I said, are you excited about it? And she goes, ah, nah, when you get to my age, you don't really get excited. <laughs> no, she's gotten, she does get excited. She does. I know she does. She gets excited about other stuff. You know, she gets excited about Christmas. She gets excited about gigs. She gets excited. She sent me about five reminders to let me know that we're going to Westlife. You know what I mean? Uh, with with the date, you know. Um, we were looking forward to going to Lionel Richie together in St. Anne's Park. I couldn't believe he was going to play St. Anne's Park. I just find that insane. Fairview, Phoebe Bridgers playing Fairview Park. Two of my favorite musicians playing in the parks I grew up in. Isn't that mad? What a life. It feels like Matrix stuff. You know, that gets me excited. Seeing the coincidence. It's not really a coincidence. They're massive parks. But, uh, you know, like I used to walk around. Fairview Park, I used to walk around there looking for girls, you know. Now very cool girls playing in the park, you know. Um, the very park that we used to run into after uh, we'd moon taxi drivers. Um, we'd, we'd pull over a taxi driver. If we if we didn't get into barcode, well, it was just two nights we did this. Second night wasn't as good crack. The first night, though, was really good crack. We didn't get into barcode because we were too drunk. And um, bar- barcode was the club uh, near the Westwood there in Clontarf in Fairview. And we didn't get in because um, we were too drunk. So we... I didn't get in there loads of times. I didn't get in there. That was the spot. I got kicked out of there. I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about that in a sec. Um, but we didn't get in. And so we decided to... Um, we decided to and then just did call taxis and then um and then get into front seat with our bare with our, our with our bare arse showing like trying to sit down in the seat with our bare arse <laughs> called an ass taxi i've talked about this in the pod I played ass taxi uh, the second day we were trying to rekindle the same spirit but we were kind of sober and kind of felt like you know Kind of felt like rapists, you know. Kind of felt like a bit like um, like see sexual deviants, you know. Um, first time, first time was kind of like, hey, we're young, hey, stay young and invincible. And then the next time was all like, I we could get arrested as adults for putting our bare arse in in this man's personal space, you know. No way out is all your ever. Fucking Oasis B sides. Some of them better than the best. Some some of them better than the best tracks you're hearing these days. Oasis B sides. Um, but anyway, what else? Yeah, got kicked out of um barcode. Um, got kicked out of barcode for running to the dance floor to dance to "I Think We're Alone Now." Um, by Tiffany. Children behave, that's what they say when we're together. You know that one? I think we're alone now. It's my bop. It's my straight up fucking jam. That was when one of my pillars, my strong identity pillars, was 80s bangers. So I, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, well, I have to be definitely the one who's been seen dancing to the 80s banger. I mean, I do love it. But, you know, sometimes we just hold these things very important. It'd be like if someone, I don't know, there was an X-Man reference. I'd have to be like, 
Hey, that's about that's me. That's about me. You know, everyone had their pillars. You know, my mate Joe had um, Republicanism. You know, and um, you know, kind of anything to do with really the War of Independence. Uh, my mate Dan had um, you know Rocky stuff, Top Gun, um, just whatever movie had blown him away that summer, and he decided he was going to get that job permanently. You know. Uh, Omar had Deftones, it was always his thing, just loved Deftones, you know, that's his thing, and, you know, metal for a while, um, so um, mine was 80s bangers, so I ran to the dance floor, and I think the bouncer thought that I was running away from a fight, or I'd done something, um, or he just had it in for me, because really they never had a go with the lads who were running to the bar to make sure that they could get Fat Frog for like a fucking three euro, or whatever it was, Get three fucking wickeds all mixed together. This is before the prepackaged fat frog, and they would like set off these alarms every hour and a half, um, and lads would just run to the counter and just get uh, fat frog. Never had an issue with them running, but I'm running to the dance floor to dance to Tiffany. Guy manhandled me over, right? I had my arm behind my back. I'm imagine that, imagine that, the fucking ass, and then you go back there, and you just go back there the next week. Having to fucking an adult to another adult after I paid his wages essentially by well you know paying for the coat check really I'd be sneaking booze in I'd be paying for the coat check maybe two euro put my coat down and then he manhandled me out there and then I called the next the next day and I called and I was like I have um I was like I want the CCTV footage this was before GDPR I don't think you could really ask for this although get this right. Someone told me, I, I don't even know if he was, probably, he probably told me this in confidence, but um, I think that was about five years ago, statute of limitations. Um, so he said that if um, you can request any bit of public CCTV footage, if you've walked down any road and there's a camera, um, you could request the footage and they have to give it to you and they have to give it to you within a certain period of time, right? So there really isn't the infrastructure to meet massive demand in that department because people don't really know about it. So if you ever really wanted to have a coordinated uh, <laughs> attack on the public sector, um, you could essentially have hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions of people, depending on how many cameras there are, uh, all request CCTV footage of a certain time, various times, at the same time, and they'd have to fucking figure out a way to scramble to get it to you. Um, so I'll always have that one in the back pocket, Mihal, Mihal Sharton, more like, uh, in case I don't know what you want to raise the price of a can of Guinness or whatever. I don't know. I don't really buy slabs, so it didn't actually really affect me the whole thing. But um, oh, if I ever want to, I'll derail you. Sorry on, uh, sorry on, bloody Darren Garrahy's laughs at our life. Uh, I was also on there. Got there before you. So the kind of decreasing level of um, popularity started really strong. Tony Cantwell, and then. You know, people like Michal Martin on there. Um, so, you know, uh, my peer, fellow uh, Darren Gary podcast guest. But I um, don't know what he'd have. Don't know, you know, you, no, you're laughing. Don't know, you know what you're you, uh, laughs of your life you have, hey? Laugh, laugh. I never laughed in my life. No, no, no. Oh, well, I remember I was watching a sports match and they said the name of the fucking hurler wrong or whatever. <laughs> you know, the body. Men laughing. Men, you know, you know, lads that never laugh. Old lads that never laugh, and then like I don't know, like a sports announcer says the name of the player wrong, and then says, "Oh well, if he was playing for Norwich, he might be the name of the player or whatever." You know, some shite joke, right? People find that funny in a kind of tribal way, like making a mistake, like when you have an oaf in the tribe who can't throw a spear at a pig, you know, and they're like, "Oh, 
you know, you're slagging them off like an apocalypto, you know. You had the chubby one in Apocalypto. Everyone was slagging. And it's like, oh, we do have humor. We've had it for years, you know. Um, oh, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I was looking for CCTV footage of me being manhandled, right? And uh, they wouldn't give it to me. And I said, legally, did my whole did my whole bloody, well, legally, I'm, look, I'm a solicitor, actually. So well, that was me, a solicitor. An 18-year-old solicitor being manhandled out to try and dance to Tiffany's. I think we're alone now, so I know my rights, right? You caught me on an off day, pal. I was actually, I'd lost a case, so I was drowning me sorrows with Fat Frog, right? But now that I'm sober and I'm, and I'm cognizant again, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking take you down to Chinatown, right? So, um, anyway, so yeah, anyway, that's in the very same park that after we were uh, refused entry from Barcode, uh, now Phoebe Bridgers is going to be performing. I'll have to tell her about Ask Taxi when I see her. And can you believe that? I, you, I, I, just, I was thinking, what a coincidence that you're playing here in a place where just not even 10 meters away, I would have been getting my bare arse out uh, in front of another adult man without his consent, essentially, and trying to get, uh, uh, you know. Can you believe that's mad coincidence, isn't it? How was that a coincidence? <laughs> oh, shit. This isn't Phoebe Bridges at all. This is Michael Jackson. Hee <laughs> hee. Shamon. Can I see your ass? Can I see the same ass? Is that the ass you showed? Yeah, of course it's the same ass. What are you talking about? Can I see it? Well, I'm an adult now. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. That makes Michael sad. <laughs> well, I don't know what you want me to do about it. I don't know what you want me to do about it. I don't like. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, he's. I, I still can't get over. I know I've talked about this loads, but like, saw this guy. There was like a Michael Jackson challenge on TikTok, and I'm like, <laughs> like he was cancelled a few years ago, and then this is, and then he, and then to get out of being cancelled, he did nothing. He stayed dead. He stayed dead, and they're like, just can't deny them bangers, you know. It also, again, shows just how much better Michael Jackson's song library is than old reruns of Jim Will Fix It. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no, there's no episode of Jim Will Fix It that's going to be like, ah, do you know what? Has enough been enough? <laughs> has enough been enough time? Jimmy Savile, you know, has enough? Oh, I don't know, man. I watched him on a couple of episodes of Top of the Pops 2 there. He just had a lot of charisma, you know? No, it's never going to happen, you know? He's going to be permanently cancelled. But Michael Jackson seems to be very, you know, his, his cancellation seems to be quite fluid, you know? Um, but your body of work can maybe, <laughs> maybe prop you up. It is a scale. It's like a big Libra scale, you know. It's like you know the horrible, uh, you know, retelling of what happened in Neverland, Finding Neverland, and then all those bangers on the other side of the scale. And who's to say what you know? Well, um, you know, just some say. You know, I, um, you know, you know. So, but take someone like Woody Allen, right? What he's done and being a kind of a weirdo little nonce uh, in a really kind of uh, abusive and domestic kind of way, right? I, I've only really seen Annie Hall, right? So I can let go of that. And the other side of the scale is like, ah, no, that's pretty bad. So I don't want to watch Annie Hall anymore, right? Because also just he's in it. He's a little weedy bloke, you know? He's kind of taking advantage of a kind of younger woman in it. You know, like, ah, you know? It doesn't hit home. Anyway, Terry won't let me anyway. Do you know what I mean? Roman Polanski is all the stuff he did, right? Um, you know, being a nonce. 
and then you've got on the other side films I haven't seen. I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby. I haven't seen any of his films, right? So I'm I'm only seeing what's on the other side of the scale. All the horrible shit he did, you know. Mel Gibson, I I know that's you know it's it's you know I like I do I did like Lethal Weapon and Braveheart and the fucking hell that you'd have to have some ammo on the other side of that scale, and there is some ammo. You got phone calls of him being a despicable anti-Semite. You've got police reports, uh, you know, saying the Jews are responsible for everything and calling sugar tits a Jew, you know, and um, being, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of an anti-Semite is for black people, an Afrophobe, right, being a massive Afrophobe, you know. And then you watch Lethal Weapon and you're watching this riveting scene of him spinning a gun, you know, putting it at his head. And then you got the biggest Afrophobe, Eric Clapton, playing a fucking tasty lick over it. And you're like, oh, God. You know, <laughs> this is not, I can't, you know, I don't, I probably shouldn't even watch this much of the movie. I probably just can't really accept that. It's weird. It's a weird one, you know. And then there's the fucking, <laughs> there's the nightmarish monkey paw that is the desire to play a new Harry Potter game. There's a new Harry Potter game. It looks great. It looks great. It looks like it look. It's an open world Harry Potter game. You go to Hogwarts. You can probably pick a house. I'd definitely be Slytherin. People think I'd be Hufflepuff, but I am far more self-serving than I am clumsy. Um, and Terry would, of course, be fucking Gryffindor. She's a very strong sense of morality, and she's very good at sport. So, um, so yeah. But uh, so you'd have that sorting hat, all that. Go to Diagon Alley, get yourself a new wand get to play i think with other people i think it might be co-op online oh my god what do i have to do to do that uh further empower and become an even bigger billionaire uh, one of the most despicable transphobes <laughs> in popular culture uh this is all that's all you have to do that's all you have to do but harry potter's world you know i do i do feel bad i do feel bad because if it was gta 6 oh my god i would so not want to know what the person did if it was like the your man, the president of Take Two Entertainment, the parent company Rockstar Games, Strauss, funnily enough, his name is. Um, which I wonder if they named the moneylender from uh, Red Dead Two after him, because he's quite. Um, he you know he looks after all of Take Two Entertainment, which would be quite known for being quite greedy when it comes to stuff. You know, there was meant to be single player D- DLC. For GTA 5, never came out because GTA Online is a fucking money spinner. So they put all all of it into that. Um, so quite quite greedy. But if I found out Strauss had done something, you know, I tell you, on the other end of that Libran scale, for GTA 6 to be on one side of the scale, there needs to be a fucking... He would have had to do <laughs> like Khmer Rouge level of brutality on the other side of that scale. No, <laughs> no that's an awful thing to say. Um, no, I, yeah, but it's tough. It's just tough, you know? Um, because as well, like you're, you know, she's still making the money, JK, off all this, you know? Um, like if you want to go see Fantastic Beasts, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore. If you want to go see Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore, you are, you know, directly putting money at the folk uh, of, of JK. You know, and I tell you, will it be worth it? Paying thirteen quid, what's the secret? Secret better be big, better be Voldemort's da or something massive like that. It better not be, I don't know, that he's gay. We know he's gay, right? We know he's gay. You know, I'm not saying I'm not happy about that. I'm delighted with that. I think that's great. Um, I tell you what, I'm not. I don't like though. 
tell you, um, you know, we're not talking about fucking crimes of Grindelwald. Um, obviously, your your stance on trans rights is a crime of Grindelwald, JK. <laughs> so that's one. The other crime of Grindelwald is in um, in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. One, um, I didn't like how Colin Farrell was actually Grindelwald. And then he reveals his face not to be Colin Farrell, but to be Johnny Depp underneath. You had fucking Colin Farrell there, bro. Don't you? There's no one. There's no one. There's no one. Colin Farrell doesn't reveal himself as anyone. Colin Farrell is to the person to be revealed. Spasman. Icon. Greatest actor of a generation. Far better than that Johnny Depp. Uh, loser. Right? Um... But I tell you, whatever the secret of Dumbledore is, it better be fucking good if I'm going to pay for it. I'll probably watch it illegally online. I'm going to be getting all of her content illegally. If I can get a code for Hogwarts Legacy, then I'll play it, um, as long as it's not directly funded. I tell you, if there's a way to pirate that game, I hope there is a way. I hope there becomes a very easy, accessible way for people to outright pirate that game. Because you feel for the developers of this game. They've even included trans characters in it. They really do not like at all her stance. But she owns the franchise and she does get the kickbacks. What's despicable, though, is the fact she doesn't have the fucking decency just to shut up about it. She's just She directly uses the money she makes from Harry Potter to directly fund anti-trans groups. She uses it to build an even larger profile uh, against, against uh, to stick a stance. She, it was something about, there was something to be voted in about uh, changing uh, gender identities to kind of allow them to be a bit more ambiguous or fluid. And I, I don't know. I actually don't know the full story of that, but I did read something that she was using her stance to to vote against some change in um, in gender identification. So, you know, but you can go to Dagon Alley. <laughs> in the game I know I know I know I know that goes against the the complete Gryffindor moral fiber of your being but you can do a spell in it um, I wonder what the secret though is of Dumbledore it better be that he's Voldemort's dad something big something big I'm not gonna go see it but can you tell me if you go see it I will be accepting spoilers on what Dumbledore's secret is and then without spoiling it, I will tell people, I will use my platform, JK, to let them know whether that secret is good enough for 13 quid. What could it be? It's if it, Him being Voldemort's dad, be like, all right, I will pay to go see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them three, the secrets of Dumbledore. All right, it better be that he's Voldemort's dad. Although I think he already has a dad in like the book, you know, Tom Riddle. Is that his name? I don't know. I'm a very, I'm a very, um, it's a franchise I just don't have my teeth in, right? Uh, I enjoyed the movie though I watched it and I reviewed it for my for my Patreon but um, but it's tough you know at least Michael Jackson had the decency to stay dead you know you go into Tower Records now and you want to buy Thriller on vinyl right that money isn't going to fucking Nambla you know <laughs> the North American Man Boy Love Association right that's not you know he's dead you know his money money's going to his kids Who's, who narrowly survived being dangled off a balcony. You know, you feel bad for him. So I'm happy to have those kids getting the money, you know? Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a it's a tough one. But um, what else is going on with me? I'm very excited about these Vicar Street gigs. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's one of those things now, you know, for months, for weeks, you know, you can call me bloody Carl Urban because I'm going through various levels of pure dread. Huh? You've seen the movie Dread? It's good. Uh, there was once a fantastic um, uh, double feature on in the Prince Charles cinema, one of my favourite cinemas. Maybe my favourite cinema. Uh, they show all old flicks uh, in London. 
and um, I went to two double features they had there. One was Teen Wolf and American Werewolf in London, and another one was Dread and The Raid, two boxed-in, you know, survival apartment movies. Dread's such a flick. Um, So that was me going through various levels up to uh, Lena Headley um, uh, of Pure Dread. Uh, call me Carl Urban, um, but then, but then, what happens is you become you're in the eye of the storm, right? And it actually be- would become a much bigger inconvenience, and you would hurt far more people by cancelling it. That you, you know, when it gets closer, so you can't cancel it, and then you're like, okay, I can't cancel it now. There's no option; it has to be done, you know. And uh, now, so now, I'm very much looking forward to. It. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then hopefully my mind um, will be back to this podcast and I'll be able to go back into doing more sketches and really want to get the whole live stream thing going. Uh, I've been messing around with OBS and I want to do some um, loads of games I want to play. And I think that'll be fun. That'll be a fun kind of daytime thing to do or an evening thing. I've been messing with the DJ game as well. I wouldn't mind doing, you know, the odd um, Friday night prinks special because I'm always in on a Friday night. So I could be like, you know, DJing, doing mixes while you're, you know, at home getting your prinks on. Young, beautiful young people um, before you're heading out for the night, you know, without your dog because you got no responsibility because you're young and beautiful, you know. Um, what else is going on? Uh, I've been watching a couple of flicks. Uh, I was mining a young fellow over the weekend. Um, Terry, poor Terry, she had to go, she had to go to work. She had to do these long hours, and it was planned for weeks. So I was going to be mining the young fella all over Paddy's and all the extra bank holidays and everything. Um, <laughs> which my life is kind of like my life is a bank holiday. So when actual bank holidays come along, I have to like, which I love, <laughs> I get to spend time with my family. But the other, the other days are just not, you know, I just, uh, you know. Every, as I said, every day is a bank holiday for me. So I was watching the young fella and he was sick on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. He was sick the whole time and I was watching him most of the time. So we watched a lot of movies and uh, we watched Turning Red. What a flick, mate. Probably the best Pixar film since Coco. It is just, it is funny. The animation is spectacular. It looks like kind of uh, Shin-Chan. No Shin-Chan? The little kid who gets his arse out all the time, the little mischievous guy. Uh, it's, it, like in the way Mitchell's versus the machines, like really messes with the style. Uh, and Sony Sony Animation have kind of changed up the style of how they animate movies a lot. And Pixar have done that a, a little bit recently with movies like Luca, Soul, not so much. You know, sometimes it's the same models, and you, the models are just moving around in different ways. You know, like in Moana or Frozen, it's the same model. You're not really doing much with the animation. You're not really changing the faces or anything like that too much. But in this, what a flick! The animation is spectacular. The music in it, uh, Ludwig Göransson does the score, but it's this kind of like 2002 Jive Records kind of beat. Everything sounds like an NSYNC track. Then you also have the standout track of it, which deserves the Oscar for best track. You're never not on my mind from uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas. They wrote this track for this made-up boy band called Four Town, and I can't stop thinking about it. I'm thinking about it all day. What a banger. Um, and it's just a great film, and it's a great film about puberty, 13-year-old Mei Ling. Mei Lin, I think her name is, Mei Mei. She uh, turns 13, and she, uh, on her, she then is essentially coming into puberty, but the analogy is that her family all inherit the kind of spirit of a red panda. So they turn into a giant red panda. So it's almost like when you're, you know, puberty, you're growing bits. You might even get, it might be a spot. You might be growing boobs, but all of a sudden you feel like all the eyes are on you for the exact change that you're happening. That is just, that is 
expertly done in the way that like in the way Pixar do where they you couldn't really vocalize you couldn't do in a normal movie what it feels like to have like emotions like they do in Inside Out you know with those kind of pillars as I've pointed out or you know an interpretation of what it is to remember someone after they're gone through Coco how else do you show that in like a normal movie this is the exact feeling and the mortification, but then also the excitement of puberty and changing and actually loving yourself. And it's, I thought it was a fucking unbelievable flick. Five stars. Five stars across the board. Tell you what's not five stars, though. Best Picture uh, nominee, Power of the Dog. More like Power of the Slog. What a slog. What? Look, I maybe I just don't get Jane Campion movies. I watched The Piano recently. Um, and it's just like, cheer up. <laughs> just cheer I know you're mute and you've been forced to go to a colony in uh, New Zealand and live in the jungle and wade through mud with your big massive skirt this is um, piano I'm talking about uh, but cheer up Holly Hunter do you know what I mean Jesus you know but power to dog like I get it whatever toxic masculinity whatever you know I get it not uh, being jealous I get it themes like I had to read up like what am I, is there something I'm missing here is there something that I'm missing? I know that it's, it's, it looks great and the vistas are stunning and Montana has never looked better on celluloid. Um, but, and Benedict Cumberbatch, I just I didn't think it was a very good... I, I didn't seem to actually get lost in the character. I didn't really like the character. I, I couldn't, you know, compare it to Jared Leto in Nightcrawler. I think it was one of the best, best actor performances I've ever seen where it's just like, I actually... I know you from other movies but i do not know who i'm seeing that's the thing about as well in in dicaprio i know he won for the revenant but i think he actually did deserve to he deserved to win for wolf of wall street as i've pointed out multiple times because he completely adopted a brand new character that you forgot that that is fucking jack dawson from titanic right similarly in the revenant when he's being brutally manhandled by a bear you're like all right that's not you know jack dawson this is a new guy when he's screaming uh, but he's he's so battered by a bear that he can only scream through his eyes. You're like, this is a transcendent performance. You know, he deserves to win the best. Uh, best. But this Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm like, I, I I don't have a full grasp of his character. I don't even. It doesn't even look like he's deep in thought. Like Kirsten Dunst just seemed like she was having a fucking downer the whole time. Jesse Plemons, I think, also nominated for best supporting actor. He just he was walking around gormless. He's a very good actor. He deserved, I don't know if he won the Emmy for Breaking Bad. That is an absolutely terrifyingly transcendent performance in Breaking Bad and Jesse Plemons. But um, I don't know. It's just a shame that like that's probably going to win Best Picture, you know? And Dune, I don't think Dune deserves it either. Tell you what does deserve it. The worst person in the world. That's the best film I've seen. That's the best film of that year, hands down. What a flick, you know? Gets you thinking. Incredible performances. So natural, but also completely unnatural and insane and heightened, but also so level. <laughs> what a flick is the worst person in the world. Uh, Joachim Trier film. Um, but yeah, like, why does it have to be so fucking... And it's nothing done wrong with that, but like, just when there's best picture buzz over something that's just a complete fucking downer, you know? And nothing happens. I was reading it up. I actually looked up how many pages is the original book, Power of the Dog, because I expected to see five. Nothing happens in it, right? And I know people are probably like, oh, no, it's the most amazing thing. And you just, you know, you don't get Jane Campion. Maybe I just don't get Jane Campion movies. Um, but I didn't like it, right? Are you telling me it's better than Back to the Future? Well, Back to the Future didn't win Best Picture either. Do you know what I mean? This is what I'm talking about. 
Back to the Future should have won Best Picture. Star Wars didn't win Best Picture. So who is this for? Who is getting that now this? That's why you need to bring the MTV Movie Awards back. Get that golden popcorn back. Um, what other movies have I seen? Uh, I saw uh, The Last Duel. The Last Duel. Fucking Kevin McGarren's in it. Kevin McGarren is in it. I was watching the movie. And there's this scene in the second act where it's, um, you know, it's told, the same story is kind of told through three perspectives. Um, Matt Damon's, Adam Driver's, and Jodie Comer's, right? And in the second act with Adam Driver, Adam Driver's this incredibly well-spoken and smart uh, and charming squire, you know, uh, who, you know, this is all in medieval times. And, uh, and there's this scene where Ben Affleck, who... Fuck the Razzies nominated him for Worst Supporting Actor. Was completely snubbed for Best Supporting Actor. Should have been nominated. Every single actor in this should have been nominated. Especially Jodie Comer, who was incredible. And Ridley Scott should have been nominated for Best Director. And it should have been nominated for Best Picture. I think I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. I think it's more of a four and a half. Maybe I gave it four and a half. I sometimes change after after a while. I give it a first rating. Anyway, fucking Kevin McGarren's in it, right? And it's a scene where Ben Affleck is like reading Latin. And then passes it on to fucking uh, Deirdre. Can you come in for a minute? Michal Martin, lad, from intermission. And then he's like, oh, I don't speak Latin. And then he gives it to Adam Driver. Adam Driver starts speaking Latin. And then it cuts to some of the other lads who are at the table. And I thought, oh, that guy actually looks like McGarren. I should take a picture of him. His big, massive fucking calf and head on him. He wouldn't mind me saying that. I have a massive head myself. See his big head, right? And I'm like, oh, that guy looks like McGarren. And then you see Adam Driver walking by and he's telling us, and it's Kevin McGarren. And it looks like he's wearing an Aaron jumper. He looks like he's of this timeline in a jumper I would see him at the cinema wearing. In this flick, I had no idea he was in. I had no idea. I mean, I know he's a very accomplished actor, but there he is in a fucking Ridley Scott movie. Uh, and a good Ridley Scott movie. And uh, great face acting. He's laughing at the right parts when... Um, when Adam Driver says something funny and then when Adam Driver says something a bit kind of like, oh, controversial, he does a good kind of controversial face. And he's brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. That was very incredible. But the best supporting actor, Kevin McGarren, for The Last Duel. Um, I couldn't believe it. I started shouting. I turned into fucking Catherine O'Hara in Home Alone. I was like, Kevin! Pointing at him. And I was also like really uh, tired. I was at like two o'clock in the morning. I was just, the young fellow was up and Terry went into him. And I was just looking on my, watching the rest of my phone. And I was like half asleep watching it. And I just woke completely up and I saw his face. Um, but it was a serious flick. I really enjoyed it. Well, I don't know if, you know, it's not a particularly enjoyable film. But I, I thought it was, um, I, like I get, I get, you know, um, using sexual assault or rape as just some sort of like, you know, bad thing. Sometimes it just uses a bad thing. Something like a vengeance story is like, oh, well, they need vengeance. And you have to watch something horrible happen. Christopher Nolan always has a dead wife. <laughs> you know, there's always a dead wife. Uh, and he just throws around dead wives as if it's nothing, you know, and he gets criticized for it. I, I, I don't think this handles it flippantly. And what I did find interesting is there's going to be a lot of people who walk into the movie and they think they're seeing Gladiator. And what they end up watching is a film that has all that and has all the Ridley Scott epic stuff. It has people being very competent at their job at, at war. Um, it has the inner workings of the of the court and lords and ladies, and it's very interesting. And then it has this very interesting um, kind of discussion on consent and the struggles that women have to kind of endure and what's the truth and what's the truth you have to kind of present to every to, to everyone else what i found particularly interesting is the fact this is kind of like rashomon you know the akira kurosawa movie where it tells a movie from four perspectives i think it is 
I haven't seen it, but I know it's it made this kind of thing famous. It's also kind of like the movie Body Shots with Jerry O'Connell and Tara Reid, where it's a group of friends hanging out and there's a sexual encounter with Tara Reid and Jerry O'Connell. And she's kind of like a party girl, but she says that it was not consensual. And he says it was consensual. And it's like, who do you believe? And it's not a very good film and it doesn't do this very well. But I remember watching it, um, you know, in like the early 2000s. Um, but what I found interesting is that in both stories where you actually see the sexual encounter, both are so clearly non-consensual, are so clearly rape. I expected to see Adam Driver's interpretation of it like, you know, it was so over the top or that there was, you know, something about, you know, what she did to imply or indicate that this was at all possible, you know. But he arrives at the house and, you know, it's horrible, you know, in both in both uh, interpretations. It's so clearly just one is more brutal than the other. And um, sorry, I know this is fucking getting serious downer here, but I did find it. I do think to have a movie that is kind of kind of popcorny fucking medieval knights and, and all that kind of stuff and then have this in the middle and then also look at what the legal precedent was to actually even accuse someone of rape. Uh, like Jodie Comer has to endure so much back and forth. Um, she has to be asked... Even just before it happens, the shit she has to has to go through because she can't give, you know, Matt Damon for whatever reason. They're you know they're trying for an heir and he wants an heir and she's just not able to conceive. And the sex that she's having, the quote unquote consensual sex she's having, is brutal and awful. And it's believed at the time in France that if you don't have an orgasm or a little death, as they call it, that's the only thing that will actually lead to you having a child. So she has to feel guilty about not being able to have an heir. She has to fake the fact that she is having an orgasm, even though she's not. And then when she goes to a doctor to actually see something about it, she's too scared to even say there that because of the power. And, you know, she's not even allowed to leave the castle, but she's not even allowed to say that she's not having an orgasm because it might besmirch his character. And just the eyes are everywhere. And she has to just fucking toe the line, you know. Spoiler alert at the end, you know. Spoiler Matt Damon wins and it's like not a happy ending because she's like now I have to go back to this fucking dickhead and then he eventually dies in the crusades and you see her there with her with her boy with her son who's all the only thing she ever wanted and she kind of has the level of prosperity and the estate you know um but I just thought it was interesting that in even in the in defense of the person he remember there's a scene where Adam Driver's talking to Ben Affleck afterwards and he's all like it was totally consensual I mean obviously she it was as unconsensual as it normally is, you know, as a, as a, with a with a woman. Essentially, you just have to kind of force women to do it. But there's no man would watch that and think that that was consensual. But then you have an, then he says to his best friend afterwards, and Matt Damon, of course it was, you know, and he genuinely believes he was. And it gets to the end where Matt Damon is literally holding a fucking dagger up to his throat, and Adam Driver still believes that he it was consensual because of just of the time, how an actual woman's opinion. Uh, or an actual woman's, you know, consent was not valued, you know. Um, and I think it's good to dupe a few lads, get in there. A few, few lads who fucking want to see Paddy Jackson play for fucking Ireland again. Uh, watch, well, you know, think they're going in to watch a fucking popcorn flick and um, get that dropped on them. I think it might change a couple of minds. And that's what I liked, you know. Uh, even though I knew that's what was coming in the movie. You know, it isn't like Kingdom of Heaven or um, Gladiator. But um, I thought it was good. Um, so there, I don't know, it's a bit of a weird episode today. That's just what I've been up to. That's what's been on my mind. I don't like dogs. Um, I got my arse out in, for a taxi man. 
and um, I watched a couple of flicks. Four, four and a half stars, Glass Duel. Um, and look, if you'd like to come see me, I'd love to see you. Can I tell you some dates? Well, here's one you might, there's a few tickets have been made available because um, uh, there are some seats that are being held for me, which is very nice, but I've asked them to sell them. Um, for the Thursday show in Vicker Street. So the 24th of March, this Thursday, in two days' time, when you're listening to this, come see me in Vicker Street. It's going to be a very fun gig. If you can't make that gig, guess what? On the 22nd of April, I'll be in Dundalk in the Spirit Store. On the 24th, I will be in Kilkenny in the Set Theatre. And on the 1st of May, uh, I will be in the Everyman Theatre in Cork. So do go uh, onto my socials at Tony Horror because there are going to be other dates announced for uh, uh, live podcasts coming in the next couple of months. Um, but go to the other gigs first. Shouldn't even tell you about the other one. Shouldn't tell you about the live podcast. But, um, and actually, I'll tell you, if you really want first dibs on any or all tickets, go over to patreon.com slash Tony Canwell. Guess what? Every single Friday, I do a brand new podcast, an extra podcast just for patrons. And there's over 100. There's probably 100 podcasts you haven't heard yet. And for the price of a pint a month, or even for as long as you're willing to give, you can listen to them. You can get first dibs on uh, tickets as and when they happen. Uh, and all things are announced first on the Patreon and then put on general release after that. So if you like if, if you like this pod, if you'd like to support this pod in any way, give it a, give it a lash for a little while. It's like a fiver, six quid, something like that. It's, it's no big deal. We're not making a big deal about it. And... Um, and I want to thank everyone who's already a patron. I, I, I love you. I want to say a huge thank you to Karen. Karen, who was very nice to me uh, in the pub there. Said she listened to the pod. She was very fucking sound. So thank you very much, Karen. Uh, you're a legend. And thank you, everyone who listens. And I'll be back here on the main feed next Tuesday. Uh, or I'll see you on the Patreon on Friday. All the best. Bye-bye. It's only here, we'll shit show.